Welcome, everyone, to the Brandology Podcast. We want this to be something that we ourselves find value in and want to listen to. I'm your host, Mark Mosier. Alongside me is co-host David Morrow. Each episode, we explore leadership, culture, brands, and interview leading business professionals and civic leaders. We also play brand culture trivia against our guests to make the experience entertaining and fun. So come join us and enjoy. And please don't forget to download the episodes and leave us a review. Thanks. Let's begin. So uh, welcome, everybody, to the very first um, uh, female leadership summit on Brandology podcast. Uh, We have some very special guests today, um, and we're very honored to have have you guys on. Um, uh, Mark and I have had individual episodes with each of you, and uh, we're very excited to, to present the panel with a couple key questions that we have gained from a lot of um, young millennials, Gen Z, um, uh, Gen X uh, people in, in the industry, uh, both male and female. And we really want your input. We really want to hear what you all are seeing because then we can get kind of a national approach. So with us today is uh, Karen Gregerson, Dr. Rosie Ward, Anna Morgan, Bertana Fanke, and Aaron Levzo, and we thank you guys very much. Each of you are leaders, and as a leader, our question to you, and the question that we've been asked, is how do you mentor and inspire younger workers to believe what you believe in? Uh, you know, so typically you see someone young come in the workforce and they, you know, and, and, and I kind of put it to them like this. You already have, you have the energy, you have the passion and you have the job, right? So there's, there's nothing to prove. There's a lot that you've just learned. Um, I think that, you know, the approach I've taken is just been, just ask the questions, continue to ask questions for self-reflection from them. Um, so, you know, like one of them is like, how do you plan to harness all that energy um, excitement and passion into future growth and learning. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, and I would piggyback off of that is I, I do agree that self-reflection is, is hugely important. And I think it was Margaret Wheatley who said, you know, people only support what they've helped to create. So just take a step back, David, when you were talking about how do you have them be aligned? Well, first of all, as an organization, if you haven't done the work to actually clarify and articulate your purpose, how can you expect people to be aligned with it? And Excellent I think that younger point. people are really Excellent looking point. looking for that. So if you haven't done that work and you can't say this is what we believe so that they they feel attached to something that's bigger than just a widget or a service or a product, you're you're going to struggle. So you have some you have some work to do. And then I think even organizations that have done the work to articulate their why or their purpose, then you have to go to the next level of have you also operationalized your core values? Like this is not just what we believe, but this is how we behave here. And you have some deliberate practices with your culture. And I say that because if you're wanting younger workers to be aligned with your vision, with your culture, with how to show up, and you don't have those guardrails and clarity in place, it's not just going to be hindering the younger workers. It's going to hinder everyone. But, but if, if you're not intentional about it, I might be excited about what I see on your website or what I heard in the interview process. And then I come in and I find out it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors because people aren't held accountable to it. That's where you see people, they have huge turnover and they can't retain the younger workforce because they come in hopeful and they see that reality is you don't really live this. And that's a problem. So I think it's twofold. I think the organization has to do some very intentional, deliberate work to create those conditions. 
and what Bertana said, you then you can help them reflect of where do you see yourself in this and what about this excites you and how do you want to be a part of this, right? So I think they're I think they they go hand in hand. That's a great point. That sounds like somebody that knows uh, Robert Chapman and Barry Waymiller and they exactly. live their purpose. So that's excellent. Anyone else from the panel? Right. This is Karen Gregerson. The only other thing I'd add to uh, some of the great comments that my co-panelists brought up is how important it is to give them a voice. And so we do a lot of internal uh, committees and task force, and we invite people to participate. And so um, at the end of the year, I ask how many people have participated and something like 80% of our employees have lent their voice to a process or something internally, whether it be wellness committee or um, sharing on, on engagement. And it's so important that we encourage people, all people to lend their voice to uh, make us a better organization. And, um, and, and it, it doesn't matter how many years experience you have, everybody has great perspective and great ideas. And I think it's good for a company to listen to all of our people. Okay, uh, Aaron, anything? Do you, do, do, do you have input? I know that you manage quite a few uh, younger workers. So that's why uh, I'm interested in getting your, your feedback as well. Absolutely. So. Um, First of all, I'm Erin Lovezo, uh, and I will tell you I am a millennial, so I fall into "quote unquote" younger worker category still. Uh, what well, I, I don't think you can be on this panel, Ben. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think you understand. We are trying to help. Have you seen her trophy case? You've already been to the mountain trophy case. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but thank you. Yes, I think yeah. that the way I've thought about it is um, the same reason I like Simon Sinek is the why, right? Like, why are we doing something? Yep. And, uh, it's it's really no different than when I deal with my kids, right? If I tell my kids to do something, they're like, screw you, mom, right? Like, no, why, why do I have to do it? And so I have to explain the why. Why is this important? Why do we respect this? Why do we say please? Why do we say thank you? And it's the same in working environments. So when um, new folks start on my team, no matter who they are, what they are, they um, come in and I will always hire energy and uh, the need to understand and question the world over experience. I just will, because I think that those people move fast and go faster than than most. Um, and when they come in, I tell them, ask questions, similar to what Britana said, ask anything you possibly want. Don't assume you know the answer and then ask why. And I'll tell you, when I first started out, I used to ask questions all the time. And I had a boss that was like, Aaron, any questions? And it was a joke because we always knew I had a question, right? Right. Um, because I want to understand point. all pieces of it. And the best way to understand a business, your part of the job is to understand all the pieces uh, and hope that the person that you're asking the question to takes the time to answer them. And even if they look irritable, you're looking for that information. So I say, you just run alongside. It's hands-on, right? You don't. We don't have time to sit someone down and go, well, let me show you. Here's how the textbook works and here's the information. And then maybe you can do the first step. It's you are thrown in and we run as fast as we can together. Um, but I'll be with you every step of the way. Excellent. Excellent. I think okay. the other thing, uh, yeah. Karen, again, yep. is we've got to show our vulnerability um, as Very leaders. And um, we have to say, yeah, I've made my mistakes and here's, here's what I learned from them. Here's what I did. Here's what we did, what I learned from them. And I think it's really important that we share that vulnerability with our own um, people. And if we can do that, then I think they're going to be more open to um, trying new things and potentially making mistakes because 
they see that it's okay. Um, we're in a safe environment where we can um, challenge or we can make mistakes and, and we'll just learn from it and move on. So um, vulnerability as a leader is really critical. You know, I, can I piggyback? This is Dr. Rosie. I'll, yep. I'll piggyback off of Karen. And I'm so glad you said that because I think that if you look at the research and you just look at generational changes of how people are raised, right? That, that, and you look at the stats on mental health and resiliency and again, broad sweeping, but in general, the younger generations have not yet learned the coping and resiliency skills because there has been a lot of um, not having to fail. And, and, I, and so then there can be a hesitancy about failing. And if, you're, if you don't have that psychologically safe environment where people can take risks. So I, I do so appreciate what you shared, Karen, because I think the leader for sure goes first. And if you look at you know the now 10 plus years of research from Brene Brown and her colleagues that the future demands braver leaders and courageous cultures, which means leaders are willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, I messed up or share when they've right. messed up and normalize it. Because I think if we look, if, if, if I'm a younger person and I happen to put a, a leader on a some sort of pedestal and they're not human or they're not normalized that, no, we all screw up, we all mess up. Here's what I've learned. You're, and I'm making it safe for you to mess up too. Not where well, it's- Isn't that what we state, want? But, I mean, isn't yeah. that what every organization wants? We want people that will take a risk, read the room, right? Read the scenario, take a risk. And if they fail, pivot and adapt and take another shot. That's what we want. We don't want people that will lie or cower or say, oh, I, that wasn't my fault, because that violates all of the essential tenets that we have, like accountability and integrity and all those things, right? We want to foster that. And so by, by making it safe to fail, so long as you get back up and you read the room again and you research and then you pivot again, it makes more sense. You know, that's that really leads into I think almost every person that we've had on our podcast, and I think we're, I don't know, 70, 80 episodes now, something, almost every single one attributes some part of either their success, their motivation, or their inspiration to failure. Yep. And so removing that fear that it's it's okay to fail, it's but you got to be able to come back and how do you do that right. and a lot of times and that's so we we get we get our next question um <laughs> a lot of times the listeners will ask okay well if you look back five years or if you look back 10 years what would you have done different so i'll present that question to the panel if you if you look back five or ten years what what would you have done different or would you maybe there wasn't so maybe this i Go first. This is Karen Gregerson. I probably have more years of experience than my other panelists, so I probably have made more mistakes than than all of them, maybe even combined. Um, I would say the biggest mistake I made is overvaluing, um, from a leadership perspective, you know, my technical skills, you know, my ability to plan, and you know, I, I have come from a financial background, so you know, my financial prowess, and undervaluing um, the. Uh, time and um, intensity and intentionalness of creating um, strong relationships. You know, relationships with my peers, subordinates, superiors, and, and building a network. Um, I, you know, if I had to do it over again, I definitely would have put more energy and focus on that and less on all the tasks that I have to do. Um, I let the important um, and urgent take over the important non-urgent, which is where the real value is 
Which is interesting because you're one of the most human bankers we know. So that's great. I think I hopefully I've learned a little bit, yeah. but you know I, I've been in um, I've been in banking for a long time, and I, I got a pretty slow start because of my focus on my technical background and not enough focus on the human side mm. of being a leader. That's great, Karen. That was so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. This is Anna Morgan. The first thought that I had was that I would have gone into entrepreneurship earlier. I would have valued my worth and my unique gifts um, and seen those as a much greater asset as, as opposed to comparing myself to everyone else mm. um, and really leaning into that. I wish I had started like a master CRM, like when I had first started <laughs> working in the working world, which is the beauty of LinkedIn, which is you, you can kind of build that community there, but you know, cause your net work, work is your net worth as they say. And um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Those are my three tips. This is Aaron. I would say that um, it definitely has to do with my confidence in myself. So if I look back 10 years, I would say that I portrayed confidence, but I didn't have that confidence. I was worried that I had to be better than someone else and not just be about me and who I am. And similar to what Anna said, it was about my own self-worth um, and also people pleasing. I put a lot of stake in making sure the people around me were happy instead of really focusing on what excellence looked like for me within my eyes and not within someone else's eyes. And so looking back on that um, or the younger version of myself, I would say I really need to have been able to see my own self-worth um, and not feeling like my worth had to come from someone else. That's a really good point. Excellent, excellent. And yeah, this is Rosie, I can go. Um, you know, my, my first thought is on one hand, while made a boatload of mistakes and they suck. I actually wouldn't change them because to your point, Mark, they, they, yeah. I, you learn more from the stuff that absolutely goes completely backwards and sideways than when stuff goes well. I mean, absolutely. every time where I've been face down in the dirt, oh my God, it sucked, but I have grown so much as a human being and become so much stronger. So, you know, you don't want to like create this bubble around it, but you know, one of the things that Karen said really struck me. And I mean, I, I can relate to all those, like being confident in yourself and those types of things. And one of the things that, that I did is, um, you know, in trying to establish a network and in trying to, I guess, this isn't going to come out right, but make a name for myself, but really as a thought leader and have stuff out there and challenge people's thinking and speaking at conferences and whatnot, I would say that I lost sight of my own integrity and values. And what I mean by that is that I play the political game and schmooze to um, a-holes without integrity in my industry for far too long because I wanted the opportunity to be able to still speak at their conferences and have a platform to have a voice. And so I feel like I did a trade-off for a couple years where I stayed probably a couple years too long. Like when I finally started to realize what they were really like and what they were really about, um, I should have cut the cord, but I was like, oh, but God, I could just get a little bit more exposure. I could one reach more. more people or I could, yeah, just one more. And when I finally cut the cord, it felt so good. But I had this sense of like, I, I felt like I sold out for a couple of years because it was like, will people still follow me if I'm not, if I don't have this platform or, um, or feeling like I needed them or, oh my gosh, if I like, not that I'm going to go speak bad about them, but if I'm suddenly not there, people are going to wonder why, like, I don't know. So I, I feel like I stayed yeah. too long of, of nourishing inauthentic 
network relationships oh, good. Um, yeah. good at, at the price of my own Excellent integrity point. and, and soul, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and now that you've made it in your best-selling author, you're on Brandology. So that's really good. So <laughs> we have come full circle, Dr. Rosie Ward. We are not, uh, we are not in the a-hole category. So that's good. <laughs> you're not in the a-hole we category. Like that. Yes. We're, we're proud. My mom will be so proud. So that's great. All um, right, anybody else? Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'm just a little, um, that was awesome, Rosie. Bertina Pinky here. Um, I think if I could have done anything differently is just stop Stop making things so complex, right? Like you can you can really get in your own way a lot of the times, even when you're going, what do I want or what do I want for other people or what do I want for my organization? What do I want for income? Like, like you, you, there's too many things in the recipe. If you if you simplify all of those wants, needs, threat, whatever, you know, the self-fulfilling things, like am I trying to make myself feel better? Am I trying to get approval? You, right, so you just simplify a lot of those things you're viewing, and if you find the lane or the vein that's going to align with all that, and simplify and stay on the same path, and give yourself permission because you are valuable. You don't need permission. You are supposed to be where you're at. You don't need permission. Um, then simplifying, I believe, is is what I would have. I would have probably did a little differently, uh, which I know now, but you know, sometimes that takes an age thing, but also I think it, it can just take some, some, some training on your, you know, wanting to be more simple. So you know, I don't need all, right. I just need, I just need to make a difference. And I got permission to do that already. That's excellent. Uh, that's a good point. That's excellent. This is, so, um, yes, just want to add that like, these are all amazing answers. This is Aaron. And, um, I still struggle with everything that I said and everything that everyone else said on this panel. And I want to say that because it doesn't just go away overnight or it doesn't just go away the next day where you wake up and it's like, oh, it's simple or I don't need permission. There are still times where I walk into a room and I was like, I have to remind myself I belong here or don't second right. guess myself or make sure I'm leading with integrity. Like it doesn't happen overnight. It's a constant battle of reminding yourself because of the place that we're in, right? So um, whether it's a female in leadership, whether it's um, having the seat at the table, whatever it might be, it's reminding myself that this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I do have permission to be in this room and this is how I can keep it simple, right? So like all the things that we're all saying, it doesn't just happen overnight. Right. Yeah. No, it's an on, it's an ongoing. This is Rosie. It's an ongoing for sure. So I'm I'm so glad you brought that up, Aaron. Because yeah. anyone that tells you that like I don't still have like do I belong here? Am I making crap up? Are they gonna think I'm a fraud? Are they gonna hate me? Like, yeah. So you have to have you have to have deliberate practices to help you navigate when those show up. Because if you, if anyone thinks they're gonna go away, you're gonna be waiting a long time. Right. <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. and that that kind of leads into the to, to our next panel question. And, and that's that's a scenario, right? And this is one, I heard Simon Sinek mention it, and then I have personally experienced it numerous times. So there's a young member of an organization and they really wanna make an impact, right? They're there for the right reasons. And, but then they confide in you or they, they tell you, hey, they're frustrated. Uh, they're thinking of leaving. And, and you look at them and you're like, you know, you've only been here eight months or you know you've only been here a year or so, right? What advice do you give them? 
Um, this is Aaron. So mm-hmm. I have been that person. I've been mm-hmm. the person that comes in eager, wants to go run really fast. And I'm told like, <laughs> you've only been here six months, calm down, right? Like right. maybe <laughs> at a year, maybe in your review. And I always struggled with that thought process of like, okay, so do I have to wait X amount of time in order to grow? Is it just a timetable, right? I will tell you that I've had some great leaders that have told me like, all right, well, let's figure out where do you want to go? What's the frustration about? And let's figure out how to get you there. But it wasn't because it was easy. It was because they invested time in me and I was vulnerable enough to go to them and go, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little frustrated because everything keeps, like I'm, I'm being measured compared to the person next to me, right? Like on a bell curve for performance review versus being measured based on just my personal performance. And um, again, like I said, people pleaser, A plus student. So I always wanted to know where's that bar and how do I get to that bar? And if I get to that bar faster than someone else, raise the bar. And uh, it's having people invest in me and being open and honest. So I value when people come to me and say that because what that means is they wanna keep running and running harder and faster. Let me allow them the path to do that and to learn. That's great, Erin. Bertana here. I just want to kind of compound on that because you're right. You, you, when someone comes to you and they're frustrated and they want to leave and they feel like it's, it's not going fast enough. Um, you know, really it's, it's about, they're giving you the opportunity to have, they want to be saved or they would just bounce. Like we all know that. Like, yeah. I've always said, uh, so if I'm, if I'm having a conversation with you about a problem and we're talking about it, I still care and I want to fix it. If I've, if I stop talking or I stop asking, or I don't care to engage in a conversation with you to fix a problem, I've already checked out. So I think that's just it. Recognizing that sometimes that's that somebody falling or wanting to leave they're wanting the opportunity for someone to help them see why they should stay and where where they're going um, and helping them give themselves that permission. No. This is Rosie. I would piggyback off of what both Pretana and Aaron said. And I think that there's there's two potential lenses for this though. There's the person who is is looking to grow, right? And and helping them, like investing in them and let's lock let's talk about this and let's align of what makes sense. And then I also think there's the um potential level setting expectations too, right? So like they see something and they may not have the full context. So helping them, you know, this is also part of their development, but helping them see the context or helping share what you can about perspective taking and how long things take and what ideas do you have to move this forward? Or maybe you're not aware of this. So I agree, like I would never say, oh, you just have to give it time. That's just deflating and horrible. But I think it needs to be a mutual conversation of, what are you seeing and and how can i invest in you and help help you find fulfillment and also shift perspectives and level set expectations too that not everything happens like that for a variety of reasons and and can you create the energy for them to hold that that um discongruency to be part of the change moving forward so i i think that you have to look at both sides yep good point so this is anna I wanted to pipe in with just my years in uh, recruiting and HR. 
When I've had experiences with employees come to me with a similar situation where they're not happy, you know, it's like they're looking for validation and sometimes they just can't see the progress that they're making. So like real time making suggestions of like tracking monthly accomplishments, maybe even exploring additional learning um, opportunities. If they're, you know, very driven, they might want to take some e-learning courses or get a second, you know, second degree or a certification that can kind of help fill and, and provide some of that validation. But it also is an indication that there might be an opportunity from a management perspective to spend a little bit more time to highlight those wins so that there is more of that satisfaction. And, and I, I don't run a huge organization. I've, I've worked for them and been in the production seat and have experience going, okay, how am I doing? <laughs> you know, and not knowing until you have your performance review, but really just like micro uh, breaking down some of those little goals um, and talking about them frequently um, and, you know, just having more of that mentorship mindset. Um, but I also think there it's important for these types of employees to find some equanimity or balance uh, between work and their personal life, whether that's exploring their passion so that they're not so hyper focused on I have to do this and the hustle culture and you know I have to climb the corporate ladder because at the end of the day when we're on our deathbed we're not going to be talking about how quickly we rose to the top of the c-suite we're going to be talking about the lives that we impacted and the legacy that we left behind excellent point and it's really it gets to the point of um uh, it's not about just you have to put your time in right that's 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 not really the the, the point of this at all um it, it's it's that they're they're standing where they are they see the summit of the mountain right and and they're like why am i not there yet i don't understand it's only been eight it's been eight months how come i'm not there yet it's like you still have to climb the mountain like i don't care if you take a helicopter straight up or if you <laughs> hike you or if you hike through the woods and it takes you two years or 10 years whatever it takes you still have to climb the mountain just like everybody did so so they're still about you know understanding and learning you know I've, I've always been taught kind of they're all about building blocks right every experience you get every committee you can join every um uh, you know, extracurricular thing you can join. All of those, the the, the hobbies that you that that you do outside of work, they're all building blocks to make you a better performer within that moment, so that you can get further up that mountain. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get on Aaron's helicopter then if we're all going to the mountaintop. <laughs> Have <laughs> on board. <laughs> I've, I've talked with her enough. I know she's getting a helicopter. She's going right to the top. She's not even a bother. That's excellent. Okay, so as as we as we wrap up, Mark, you want to ask the 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 final question? You know, it's um it's interesting. A lot of the listeners, um, as we've done this over the past, I don't, I don't know, course of the pandemic, um, a lot of the initial questions early on were how to deal with the pandemic. How does that work? Is you know somebody looking for a career? How does that, you know, maybe looking back, is there one lesson that really stands out that I know we all learned a lot of lessons in 2020, but is there any one lesson that stands out really, or was personal to you or inspirational or motivational or something that was just an aha moment or something you learned not to do? I got a whole bunch of those from 2020. So I'll just present that to the panel. What looking back on 2020, what lesson really stands out? 
Bertana here. I have biggest lesson is nurturing. Nurture, nurture, nurture. I was always a nurturer. It's not like I didn't nurture before, but there's a there's been this different nurturing any process that I've been in in 2020 because everybody's had to have patience and the resources have been tightened up and you know we're all people people like you know hey, I just want to get around a person I want to just like you know you know laugh like those kind of things yeah. so, you know I mean it's like we all miss it right yeah yep. you know I don't know whatever food so I think like that that lesson just in understanding nurturing a process nurturing a person um nurturing people through different thought process you know processes like I'm in marketing that's what I do and I help people you know with that and and for them to have that shift that didn't really believe in marketing before that are now that I've had conversations the year before that are now reaching out to me going oh no I really need your help and I like so I just nurture where they're at then and I don't I don't put them in a spot to go told you or you should have right. been doing right. you know look you got a little bit of more of a steep mountain at this point because you're kind of behind the game. You didn't set yeah. a digital print then. We're going to do it now, but there's a lot of noise. So, but we'll nurture you there. Yeah. Nurture. No. I like that. Yeah. This is Aaron. I would say that um, there's always opportunity in the darkest times, right? And so 2020, I mean, definitely sucked, right? Like there are a lot of crap that happened in 2020. <laughs> and we like the hits there was a moment where it just felt like the hits were coming one after another right this was supposed to be two weeks guys we just had to stay home for two weeks and then the world was going to open up and everything was going to be gravy um but as we know that that didn't happen and i found myself laying off a lot of people that i was very close to um at my previous job and i found myself in this very depressive like what do i do and we all know that like COVID drinking became a thing and like all of these things and like very open and honest. Like I, there was a moment where you're just like, what do we do here guys? And I started reaching out and realizing like, all right, what's the opportunity? What's going to continue? So, um, what I did was like, I was like, well, what do I have now that I didn't have before? I have more time at home. What can I do with that? Well, I've wanted to work out. Maybe I should try that. I did that. Um, what else can I do? Well, I've wanted to look at new houses but I haven't had time because I was always in the office. So we bought a house, sold a house um, and then got a call to start a new job. So like you just, you find those glimmers of hope and you hang on them as long as you can, right? And so one of the things I had to do was stop watching the news, right? Because if I watched the news, I started each day wanting to curse someone or something or very angry. And um, I, it was Not just bad for me. At all. It was news. mental yeah. health, right? Like, Absolutely. so it was figuring out what those things that, all right, I didn't have time for that before. What do I do? How do I stay connected? I started writing personal cards to people. Um, instead of sending them emails, I was like, you know, I like to receive mail. I'm not receiving mail, but I could send mail. And I started sending people cards and then I'd get phone calls or texts being like, oh my God, this was so nice. Is everything okay? Yeah, I just thought it was a nice thing to do. I sent you a card. <laughs> Weird, right? Yeah. So um, it's figuring out how I can give back to other people during this time too. So I would say being able to give back, being able to help lift other people up and hold on to those glimmers of hope when you see them during the dark times is what gets us through them. And I truly believe that you can't lose sight of a good crisis, right? 
there's always opportunity in it and you just have to dig for that opportunity that's where diamonds come out of the dirt right so like you dig through the dirt to find the glimmer of hope yep that's solid i think this is um all in the past what we're going to remember is what our people are going to remember is how they were treated and so for me the big lesson is to understand that we're all while we're all in this together i get so tired of that we're actually all in this storm together all in different boats and everybody experiencing it in a different way i've been in the office every day um through all of this as have many of our employees who are serving our customers um that's a different experience than those who are at home who are trying to educate their children while trying to be productive at work and so through all of this um you know how we treat people is what people are going to remember you know five ten years down the road and so i just uh, my lesson is um that we have to extend even more grace kindness and empathy than ever before and understanding that people are coming from a different place and just um you know extend that empathy to them and just meet them wherever they are to help them through what they're going through and um i think that will serve us well um not just during pandemics but uh all the time. Yep. Yeah, I will piggy. This is Rosie. I'll piggyback on what Karen said and, and pretend and Aaron too. I think that for me, and not just now and beyond, it's really about embracing our own humanity and others. Like you said, it's, it's, I think it's giving ourselves some grace. Like, hey, I'm having a bad day. You know, it's okay. You know, I'm not going to watch the news. I'm going to recommit to my work culture. I'm going to get sleep or I'm going to reprioritize my life. Um, and giving ourselves permission to have crappy days too. Like, I think it's embracing our own humanity. Um, and then, and then what does that mean for others? So whether it's reaching out, letting them know you care. I mean, we're in a consulting business and for the spring, it was, this is not a time to try to get new business. This is a time to make sure, are you okay? How can we serve you? Um, how can we pivot what we're doing? Um, and just let people know you're there, even if like, there's no expectation. It's just, here's a gift to you of something that I'm struggling with and showing your own vulnerability back what you said earlier, Karen, when you show your vulnerability and let them know, Hey, you've been struggling too. It opens up that doorway and people don't feel alone because when people are disconnected they feel even more alone so i think i think doubling down on humanity period um is probably an unexpected gift that came out of this that hopefully will carry forward that we're recognizing that people have unique needs and that there's not a one-size-fits-all and that um we do have to extend more grace to ourselves as well as others that was really good this is anna i echo everything you intelligent wise women have said Mm -hmm. and the you know comedian in me was like one of the peak moments on for me was that i can put my makeup on in four minutes and get on a zoom meeting (laughs) (laughs) i was like i never knew i could do that that's amazing (laughs) no but i mean this year is has been all about grace and resiliency and uh being able to thrive in fluid environments and leaders of corporations have had to make tremendous decisions and you know how how they lead their teams how they engage and you know it's been fascinating to watch and i'm i'm really intrigued to see what 2021 brings and how you know we can echo and support uh leaders and especially female leaders in this environment and just thank you david and mark for highlighting us um today so i really appreciate it absolutely no our pleasure no, I found out in 2020 that um, box wine really isn't that bad. No, it's not. It's really not. No. 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 Minus the straw, maybe, but it's really not that bad. 
it's well i got i got one on you i actually um i pre-pandemic started making wine at home but actually uh mom of the year got my nine-year-old in and he helped me make wine so i'm like yeah (laughs) there you go That's that is great. Making. Right on Parents Magazine, how to make wine <laughs> with your nine-year-old. There's, I'm not learning. That's I, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, hey, thank you, everybody. This has been great. We really, really are honored to have your time, to have your past episodes, to have your presentations, and to have this panel discussion. We really thank each of you. Um, excellent insight, excellent responses. Uh, it's actually more than what we even expected. So. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I hope everybody uh, enjoyed listening and thank you very much for your participation. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the panel discussion. And now we're going to provide individual presentations by several of our panelists, uh, Aaron Levzo, Karen Gregerson, and Brittana Finke in that order. So please enjoy. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Aaron Levzo, Vice President of Marketing Technology at Del Taco Restaurants. And I want to take a little bit to talk about women in leadership. Uh, It is a near and dear topic to my heart because, well, I'm a woman in leadership. So it it hits close to home. Um, And what I want to talk about today is the challenges that I've faced and how I've kind of overcome them, hoping that it helps others. And not only was I and am a woman in leadership, but I'm a woman who was also a young woman in leadership. And coming through the ranks, whether it was in Las Vegas or Dallas or Austin or now Wisconsin, I have often been the minority sitting at the table, Uh, often many more men at the executive table than women, and that can pose challenges. Um, For me personally, sitting at this table, I didn't think anything of it until I realized I did get treated differently occasionally. And so what I suggest to other women is to call it, call it out, Don't take it personally to say, hey, you know, it's not okay to call me chick every time we talk, um, unless you wanted me to call you something else as well. And um, how you refer to build that relationship together so that you can have those conversations with your colleagues. Many times they don't even realize that they're doing it. Um, Or I've been told in the past that it's a boys meeting and that I wasn't allowed in because that's how they de-stressed was going to drinks and that they prefer to keep it men only. Well, I deserved a seat at that table. So I took my seat at the table and I was like, no, I'm gonna come along too. And so I think that's important. One of the other challenges is being able to to stand up. And sometimes it's hard to say, hey, this isn't okay. Um, But it's important that we do that. The other thing that I often am asked is how do I balance work and life? I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe there's a work-life blend And what that means is I have three small children and I have um, a wonderful husband who helps care for them along with myself. Um, We both pull our own weight and it blends together with work. There's not a time where my mind turns off and goes, okay, I can't think about any more work. I need to think about family. Instead, it really does blend together. For instance, the other morning I had one kid hit their head, another kid hit their head, and I had to push a meeting but it just meant I made it up on a different time, right? It blends together and that's okay because those things are gonna happen. It actually, I think, makes us better leaders because it means we're able to balance more. We're able to make more things work, whether it's um, being able to handle three uh, conferences that are virtual in between work meetings, 
you just make it work. Uh, it makes us become really good at problem solving and putting together puzzles because there's never, it's never perfect. Nothing ever goes as planned, whether it was both kids hitting their head or um, whatever it might be, that kind of throws a wrench in things. The moment I think I have a plan, it's gone out the window because that's what three small children do to you. Um, outside of that, I don't think we're ever gonna be perfect. So I have always had a lot of mom guilt, a lot of imposter syndrome feelings, whether it's through work or through being a mom and showing up and having a teacher say to me, to my face, oh, you must be the mother. Uh, and I was like, oh, that hurt. Um, but it's okay because I do many things that many other women don't. And if I go to bed every night feeling guilty because it was mac and cheese out of a box and not homemade, come on, like that, that's not what my kids are gonna remember. My kids are gonna remember how much I hug them, how much I love them, how much we our quality time together meant something and for being able to work. They're gonna know that mommy went to work to make money. Um, when they play house, because my husband is a stay-at-home dad, they believe that moms go to work and dads stay home. And so when their friends were playing house and it was the other way around, they said, that's not how it's supposed to be. The mom's the one that's supposed to be at work. And I thought that was funny because their normal is this, they know nothing else. Um, the other thing I mentioned was Insterson and that feeling that I didn't deserve a seat at the table or someone was going to find out I didn't know everything and that's okay too. And it's something, that negative self-talk that you have to push out of your mind. Um, it's really there and you really do have to push it out because I listen to this, these amazing people and there's no reason we can't do it either do the same thing that these amazing folks on stage that I listen to and I look up to are doing. So, you know, overall, when you think about it, take your seat at the table, call what you see, have the conversations, build relationships with your peers, whether it be other women or other men, and say, hey, can we talk about this? This doesn't seem right. And then don't feel bad about it. Don't go to sleep worrying that you're not a good mom or you're not doing good at work. What you have to do is trust that you're doing the right things. And as long as that's fulfilling you and fulfilling your heart, that's what matters. And find other women to connect with. Um, I've been invited to groups of only stay-at-home moms. And I'll be honest, it's hard for me to connect with them. I have to find another woman that's like a badass, that's working, that's trying to manage everything, that has six, six plates spinning all in the air at once. Those are the people I connect with, the people that we're going to sit on the couch and drink wine and then get back to spinning our plates all in the air. So with that, um, maybe you learned something, maybe you didn't, maybe you just looked at me and went, well, I'm not as much of a shit show as she is, so I'm doing pretty good. Whatever you took away from this, I hope it helps you. Um, I encourage you to reach out. I'm on LinkedIn, Snapchat, Smoke Signals. You can show up at my door with a bottle of wine, whatever. I'll be ready to go. So thank you all. Enjoy your day. Hello, my name is Karen Gregerson. I'm the president and CEO of the Farmers Bank in Frankfort, Indiana. The Farmers Bank, in spite of its name, is not a bank just for farmers, although we do have um, a focus on agricultural lending. But we also have a focus on SBA, women-owned businesses, and entrepreneurs of all kind, as well as commercial real estate investment and trust. Today, I wanna to share with you some leadership lessons from a couple of my favorite books. The Winnie the Pooh series by A.A. A. Milne. 
The first leadership lesson is it's hard to be a Tigger in an Eeyore world. You all remember Tigger, that happy, bouncy, effervescent tiger who sometimes gets in a little mischief because he's not afraid of anything. And then there's Eeyore, always glum, sarcastic, and pessimistic, and he's the donkey friend of Pooh. I admit I can be an Eeyore at times. In my passion for continuous improvement, sometimes I fail to stop and recognize the good already happening in my life, and I don't stop and celebrate the progress being made. I'm looking to what needs to be done next, what's the next thing I can fix or make better. As an occasional Eeyore, I'm pretty good at recognizing Eeyore in others. So what do you do with the Eeyores in your life? Early in my career, I thought it best just to ignore them. Maybe they'd go away if I didn't pay attention to them. But this can be a mistake because they will find like-minded people and band together, creating a very strong coalition, making it difficult to change. More effective way as leaders is to connect with the Eeyores in your life. We need to hear them and help them rediscover their true purpose. Eeyores need to know that we are listening. We need to lift them up and find ways to show that their voice matters. Show that they are valued and what their contribution is important. The next leadership lesson is an antidote to something called the imposter syndrome. You like, may have heard about the imposter syndrome. It's a psychological pattern where an individual doubts their skills, talents, and accomplishments and they have a persistent fear of being discovered as a fraud. It sounds a little bit like this in their head. Oh, I really wasn't that good, I was just lucky. Well, I was in the right place at the right time. Research shows that 70% of people have imposter syndrome at times. And women in particular, I think are prone to this because we try to do too much. We try to do it all. And sometimes we try to do it perfectly. An antidote to the imposter syndrome is to remember what Christopher Robbins said to Pooh. You're braver than you think, you're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. So the next time you feel those little niggling doubts of fraud in your head, say to yourself, I am braver than I believe, stronger than I seem, and smarter than I think. The next leadership lesson comes from the sweet exchange between Pooh and Piglet. It goes like this. When you wake up in the morning, Piglet, Pooh, said Piglet at last, what's the first thing you say to yourself? What's for breakfast, said Pooh. What do you say, Piglet? I say, I wonder what's going to happen exciting today, said Piglet. Pooh nodded thoughtfully and said, it's the same thing. That poo, he's all about the honeypot, isn't he? Well, what difference would it be if we woke up not thinking what we have to do, but the things we get to do? What if we approached each day thinking like Piglet as if something exciting was going to happen? Do you think that would increase the likelihood of something exciting happening? I believe it at least increase our awareness of it. There's something called frequency bias. That is the seeming appearance of some newly learned or paid attention to concept happening in unexpected places frequently. After I bought a new car, a car that I thought was unique and I had never seen before, 
Sure enough, I now see one nearly every day that looks just like it. I think the same is true for our attitudes. If we look for something exciting or good to happen, it often does. If you don't think every day is a good day, just try missing one. The next leadership lesson is sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. This is a quote from Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. And isn't that true? That small thing can be a hurt or some slight, maybe something somebody said to us, perhaps years ago, that keeps playing over and over in our minds. Or that small thing could be a special memory, an accomplishment that you're proud of, or a compliment that somebody paid you. What small treasures do you fill in your heart? And what do you store there shapes who you are and how you see the world? I hope you've enjoyed my analogy from my friends from the 100 Acre Woods. And more importantly, I wish you friends like Christopher Robin, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Kanga, and Roo, Al, and Rabbit, and maybe even an Eeyore or two. Each friend provides something that will make the group stronger and more cohesive. They all support one another, but in their own unique way. So remember, empower the Eeyores with purpose. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Wake up each day thinking, I wonder what's exciting is going to happen today. And finally, sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Thank you. Make it a great day. Hello, I am Brittana Finke. I'm with Innovations Branding House. I do business development, helping businesses grow in marketing. I'm gonna address some fear and some negative self-talk. I graduated high school. I went uh, straight into hair school, but not just any hair school. I made sure that I picked because uh, at that time, wanting to be a cosmetologist, um, understanding the training and the level uh, of, of credentials that I needed to uh, get a good job right out of cosmetology school was uh, to be trained a specific way. So I moved my little butt all the way three and a half hours away from everything I knew and everyone I knew um, in a small town where I grew up. I then started a career very successfully straight from school as an intern into Hair Club for Men and Women, uh, which is the ultimate, by the way, for hairstyles. The minute that I stepped behind the chair, I was able to not only do hair, but actually give bald people their hair back. You talk about impact, right? And I was good at it. I excelled year after year after year. My first year was already promoted. Second year was training other stylists. Third year in, I had a groove and was developing new ideas and, and things for that company. Um, and it just was me. 10 years in, guess what? My arms failed. I was broken. I could no longer, no longer use my arms in order to uh, help people. And that's really what it's about. So when I was faced with my arms failing and not being able to do hair anymore, I suffered, I went through surgeries, hard times, dark days, moments that I just 
I, I didn't understand. It's what I went to school for. It's what I was credentialed in. It's what I wanted to do. It was my dream. I had it. It was taken. I was then offered a, a, a position, not offered, but, but really had some people around me that was like, you know, you, you, you offer a lot to hair club and you can, you can go into a consulting position. So let me just be honest as a creative going into sales was the dark side. Like, even though we know we needed it, just wasn't me, wasn't me. It wasn't what I was about. I didn't do sales and I was not about to get into the dark side. Secondly, I was the top performing stylist in hair club in sales metrics. Think about that. I never identified as a salesperson. I thought it was ugly. I thought it was like not okay, even though I know it fed my business, it wasn't me, but it was right in front of me. That's what I was built to do was help people, whether it was in a sales capacity, behind the chair, creating new looks for them. Um, but there was a moment, even once I got the position that I, I I had so much self-doubt. Is this is this for me? Are they gonna accept me? Am I gonna excel? It, are my metrics gonna be super different than everybody else's? Because I have to prove myself. I'm just a hairdresser. Going into a sales world after 10 years of being super good at what I was doing. So stack everything against you and then you go, oh, add on top of that, I'm six months pregnant. And I moved 1,600 miles away from all of my friends and family to take the position and a leap of faith and overcome a fear and all the self-doubt I had been telling myself for years. It was no different, but it was so different and it was so scary. Fear and self-doubt cannot exist independently. Almost always it's caused by the, the the conversations or the things you're telling yourself. Like, really think about that. Because, you know, we've all heard that coin or that term, like, you should say nice things to yourself. Okay, what does that really mean? It means that you could say dialogue you have in your brain, but it's really what are you saying to yourself that's causing those things? Because that, that's a granular level. Granular level. When you get there, you go, oh, I'm talking to myself in a way I wouldn't allow somebody else to talk to me, right? Why would I do that? Well, recognize that that, that talk and that self-doubt is almost always linked to fear. So knowing that fear and self-doubt cannot exist without each other, if you have one definitely take a look at the other. That's probably where you're gonna find your answer. So if you find yourself thinking, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worthy, you know, like we've heard that, right? You go, what am I scared of? If you feel as though you go, oh, I'm scared, I don't know, like, 
then begin to evaluate or examine those those things you're telling yourself because because the fear may be based on past experiences shit that we can't control like before we were six years old um belief issues like just simple belief issues what did your brother tell you what did your mom tell you what did a manager tell you at one time what did uh uh, you know, even religious beliefs sometimes go, oh, no, 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 you can't be great, right? But I think that it's up to you. Actually, I know it's up to you. It's the conversations I have with myself. It's recognizing the patterns. It's understanding how to overcome it and apply the things that you know that you've been successful with in the past to the future. So what's the recipe? For example, my recipe. When I was faced with going to the dark side. Teresa L's job, whatever, right? The recipe for me was, look, I never, I never knew how to do hair before I knew how to do hair. I went to school for 1800 hours. I was ready to go. If I can learn that, I can learn anything. You just apply it, but you believe it. That's the other thing. So the minute that, again, any of those things begin to creep in. The recipe that has, that you've been shown in your life that worked to make you successful, just repeat it and apply it. Let me leave you with this. Anyone out there with credentials, I'm not diminishing what you did, the education you have, the strength you bring, but I do ask you, wait, I want you to ask yourself, am I holding myself back a little because this was the lane that, that I chose and I paid money for the education, and, but, but I've dreamed of bigger and better or different, but I gotta stay on this path because it's what I chose. No, no, don't wait till you can't choose. Choose it. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really grateful you guys listen and download. We're trying to make this season even better with brand stories and cool interviews with uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and things from behind the scenes that we just can't find anywhere else. We're trying to make this something we ourselves enjoy listening to. Do us a favor, please leave us a review. When you go into Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, just shoot us a review. That really matters and it helps us keep this going. Again, thanks for listening. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.